Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. All right, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Penny Bloom Podcast. Tis I, Colton Robertson, and I am joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? What up, what up? Glad to have you back. It is January 14th, 2022. Uh, And as you know, last week, last Friday on January 7th, we covered MASH from 1970. This week, we cover a film from 1971. Next week, a film from 1972. All the way to the last week of December, where we will be covering a film from 2022. And with 1971 came Stanley Kubrick's controversial work, A Clockwork Orange. And uh, mm-hmm. this is a uh, this was an interesting one that I wanted to talk about. I had some, I did some research before I watched it because I'd never seen this movie. I did some research before I watched it on whether or not this was the one for us uh, for 1971. Mm-hmm. I was a little concerned when I saw that there would be uh, several depictions of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, and obviously this is something that has remained relevant in film. Like I think, I think to the Sopranos, when I think of like one of the more gruesome sexual assault scenes I've ever seen in my life comes in season three of that show. And I think that took it even further than this movie did in terms of mm. depicting the sexual yeah, aspect. it's it's saying something that in 1971 that this movie got pulled from theaters. Yeah, like it legitimately Kubrick pulled the movie back because of how many threats and hate that he was getting. Well, and then, then like in London at the time, you know, this is depicting the dystopian future of London mm-hmm. and how these they're supposed to be teens, which is fascinating that we're following with uh with Alex here. Mm. Uh, but let, the let book. Me- is like way less forgiving. The movie was very forgiving, by the way, which is insane. Like the book, the record, like the record shop scene mm-hmm. where he sees those two girls with lollipops. Yeah. They were supposed to be 10 years old and he's supposed to be 17. Jesus. Like at that time. Jesus. And he's supposed to take them back and not consensually have sex with them Jesus to, yeah See, that's that's what happens that, in the book no yeah that's the thing too is that like the, if there's anything I'm, I'm gonna lay the groundwork here and then we can really dive into mm-hmm. it so this premiere this was uh this hit the premiere in new york in uh on december 19th 1971 uh and then in the uk january 13th 1972 so yesterday would have been 50 years to the day since it was released in the uk which is just cool uh, it's cool how all these are lining up. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, pretty cool. Like, yeah. But yeah, based on the novel A Clockwork Orange, the same name by Anthony Burgess, uh, screenplay by Stanley Kubrick and directed by Stanley Kubrick. Uh, and boy, oh boy, they really liked that that old ultra violence. You know what I'm saying? They, uh, yes, they did. And it's this movie is it's in a different situation than MASH. 
in my opinion. MASH, they do things, and they don't really do anything to, you know, combat them or, you know, prove a, a, a good, you know, a theme throughout, basically, because of all this violence. But this movie, like, it's, that's what it's about. It's about the horrible, 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 the evil, and then seeing what happens as treatment progresses and well and see that that's what's interesting too is this stanley kubrick is fucking twisted because here's the thing this movie is depicting a dude who you are supposed to like fascinating that you know this it's told from his from alex's point of view Mm -hmm. everything is filtered through his lens therefore whenever you're watching it you're watching it through alex like that's that's where all the events play through. So you you watch the movie in the mindset of what Alex is thinking about the things that are happening. And obviously, for the for the first half of the movie, he is a sick, demented, twisted fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, whenever he does get arrested and gets taken in for treatment, uh, after two years of seemingly being like on on the straight and narrow path in in prison. And mm-hmm. I, I, it's it's interesting. I I think this this movie definitely has something to say about uh, prison systems and fascism, as it were. Mm-hmm. Like it's like it's definitely definitely themes of fascism is what this is. And ultimately, by the end of the movie, making him also a victim, like not just he's not just the aggressor. He's hated as that aggressor for good reason. And then after he is quote unquote reformed. And cured and just, uh, you know, appalled at the thought of violence, uh, you know, it's clear that you're supposed to, you're supposed to feel bad for him. That's like supposed, supposed to, to sympathize with him. Yeah. But it's it's like a it's not like a true sympathize. It's like a this is a the only example that's popping into my mind right now, but it's kind of like a Thanos sympathy. Where you know you don't agree with Thanos at all in anything he stands for, but for some reason you still whenever whenever of, Gamora whenever Baby Gamora asks what did it cost and Thanos goes everything right you you're, you're looking at this dude he does terrible things and then you have this some this feeling of like maybe I do feel for you in some way like it's weird well and it's it's really interesting what this movie has to say about the human condition because mm. you know ultimately with the end of this movie it depicts that he was not cured he's going mm-hmm. to continue that last little montage where all these lights are flashing in his face and he's thinking about having a threesome with two women at, in front of an audience like mm-hmm. that's that's letting you know like He's right back to square one. He's snapping back. And, like, that's the treatment they were giving him. It's not a true treatment. They're not -hmm. not helping him. They are simply providing an aversion to the uh, ideas he once had. And eventually, if you don't, like, that's not going to hold. It will, like, that is going to permanently damage someone beyond what they were originally damaged by. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it was a fascinating method. It's uh, a clockwork orange is just an interesting like uh, whenever I was first watching the movie, I didn't give any thought to the title of what it meant or anything. Yeah. But then, you know, like looking at stuff after the movie and during the movie, I'm like, what what could this mean? And it's like uh, basically you have this super complicated mechanical machine like a clock and it's being put inside of an orange, something that is, you know 
pointless for a clock. Yeah. Basically saying that this guy isn't really human anymore. He doesn't have the choice. He's you know, it, it's it's a well. very it, it it brings a very interesting conversation is is that this guy is basically personifying evil in this movie. He's he's just the idea of evil is Alex DeLarge in my opinion I'm is what sure. he plays. And if you don't have the choice to be evil, then like that's uh, it's just like a even though evil is bad and everyone would love for it to go away, it's the choice is a part of human condition to have the choice to do that. Exactly. And like, it's it's and such a you, tricky like it is it's a thin line because like yeah. obviously the efforts to go to eliminating evil like in general sounds like it sounds like it would be a good idea. Like obviously none of us want these brutal sexual assaults to happen and these brutal murders like we don't these and senseless like there was no rhyme or reason to the things these people were doing mm -hmm. that uh you know him and his uh droogs were doing they were uh just picking random people out and fucking killing them or or sexually assaulting them there was like that was just there was no rhyme or reason which made it all the more all the more evil and it was when you when you take away the free will aspect of it, he thinks about doing those things. Mm. The fact that he still is compelled to think about those things and is compelled to vomit at that point should show you that he's not cured of shit. He still he's just thinks conditioned. about doing like, these things. Yeah. He's he's just conditioned. He's just conditioned. It's, and it's uh like this is a very like interesting topic. Like this treatment legitimately happened in the real world like this isn't something that's made up or fantasy you know like the movie this is legitimate stuff and like it's the main villain of the movie isn't alex delarge even though he's the main overarching evil yeah the, the villains are like the government yeah the prison system the like those are the true and and then like the the political advocates that are trying to use him for political gain. Like it's that those are the true, like that's what we're supposed to get out of this movie yeah. is, um, is that like, is at the very end that like whole realization of well, and like, like this, this entire movie makes this point of like, it's incredibly ironic and incredibly like hypocritical at points. Like it's like, it's making a point about the exploitation of, the, of Alex DeLarge and him being used for the political gains of other people and like the progression of a government social experiment that isn't perfect mm -hmm. uh, by any means. Like, however, throughout the course of the film, you're ex you're exploiting women's bodies and you know, like you're you're exploiting people. Like it's just like, and the entire movie is inherently made to make you uncomfortable like sensor sensorily sensory overload and make you feel icky like that's that seems to be the point and i can't help but feel like like the safety brothers were influenced by this like with uncut gems and those scenes where everyone is just talking 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 and you're just like fuck i need this to end i think of quentin tarantino with mm. a lot of these brash uh, just ex exhibitions of violence and un unnecessary, unneeded violence at that. Mm -hmm. like that's 
That was like it's so clear this has influence beyond uh beyond the seventies, like into the Quentin Tarantino mm. and the nineties. Oh, and definitely. Gems was twenty fucking nineteen, where I feel like I could pick an influence here. This movie is it's like in a category of its own. Like th- there's no, at least that I've seen so far, you know, and this is what this you know, year of movies will do. It'll allow me to see more movies like this, but I've never seen a movie like this ever. Like this is a movie that's completely in its own field. Like the style, every, like, it's just, it was like when I was watching, I'm like, I'm watching something that is iconic. Like, and I don't even know, I haven't watched this all the way. I don't even know if this is popular in, you know, just pop culture, but I just feel like this is iconic. This dude is a Halloween costume. Like, I feel like, everything about yeah like Like it's 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 certainly got i mean it's got its own iconicism in and of itself like because i can i can say honestly while i had no idea what the what a clockwork clockwork orange really was what it was about or anything i'd heard of it like Mm. you know like i yeah i'd known this existed because i've heard of the name yeah i've just heard of i've never gotten any explanation of what the movie like is I've just gotten that it's some twisted movie. That's all I knew. I've like, always before. knew. I've always known yeah. it was dark. That was mm-hmm. that was the most I knew about it. And uh, and boy, oh boy, was it fucking dark. Uh, oh, Stanley. Yeah, he. Uh, this he's got a knack was... for that. Uh, <clears throat> Doctor Strange Love and uh, Space Odyssey two thousand, and we got a nice little Easter egg with two thousand one Space Odyssey in that record shop where I it put was that in my center. notes. Yeah, it was uh, my that building. Which was insane, like dude. I, I I had to point that out too. The set yeah. in this movie were fucking awesome too. And like just like last week when we were talking about Mash, like that's something that's going to be prevalent throughout the seventies. Mm-hmm. Especially, there were only three sets that were built for that movie. Three sets: the bathroom at the very end where he's taking a bath and singing, singing in the rain. Yeah. The uh, like I thought the London like or the city where he's walking through and it's just trash. Like, I thought that was a set. That's legit. Like, there's, like, this movie, Stanley Kubrick, like, he just came off, you know, 2001 A Space Odyssey, like, huge budget, crazy film. And then he wanted to prove that, like, he could make a riveting and, like, awarding film with, like, as little money as possible. And that's, like, what this like this movie was about. And he tried to, like, cut corners everywhere. This is, like... All around where Stanley Kubrick, like Kubrick lived, like it's like five minutes from where he lived. Like he filmed everything. Like, well, just... and that, and that in and of itself is saying something about London. You know, like you're you're trying to depict a dystopian society, and you're just mm-hmm. filming London. Mm. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean he. It it really was just a fascinating watch, and I, I watched I watched it just last night, and uh, you know I was I took my high notes mm-hmm. naturally, and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's I, I was a little bit more active with it than I was for Mash throughout the movie. Oh uh, yeah, I was uh, you know oh they really like in the old ultra violence. Okay, going a little far with this here sexual assault, and it's just it, it was just interesting like seeing the way it unfolded because you know. Our, our main guys step in during that first one and stop it from happening. And I'm like, that's what I thought this movie was going to be. I did too. Um, and I was yeah. like, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe this is going like, to be cool. And then we get to the weird seventies ass apartment and he, he's singing, singing in the rain and stripping a woman down. 
and I was like, ah, man, okay, so and this guy is, this guy is <laughs> also fucking demented. Like, yeah, I was like, oh, they're gonna stop like the rapist and stop the murderers and stop like they're basically like a vigilante group. Like, this is sick. And then, no, no, oh, no, they just oh. had they just happened to have beef with the dudes yeah. who were about about to sexually assault a woman. And the thing about like the uh, like the violence and sexual assault in this movie is that like. The only violence that's shown, well, there, there are some other examples, obviously, but like the main violence that's shown is the violence that comes back to haunt Alex, yeah. like in the first place. So like you have the hobo, you have the, you know, the, his boys that come back as police officers to get him. And then yeah. you have, you know, the, the rape and the guy. Well, the guy so it's like paral- the guy who we paralyzed from the waist. It's down. like. It's it's very weird to say that like some of these scenes were necessary. Like they didn't need to go as far as they did, but like they wanted us to hate Alex. Like they that like it was the goal to make us feel that way. No, like, yeah. And I mean yeah. like beyond that, Stanley Kubrick's objective here was to make us as uncomfortable as possible. So like I I can say that like I I think that this went far. It just sucks that that's exactly what he intended to do. Like he meant to go that far. He meant to take mm. it too far. That's how that was his goal, basically. You know, what like I'm saying? this movie, there's no chance that it gets released in theaters today. Like, oh god, no. It it god, would have no. to like. <laughs> I I don't know. Like I I think the. The way this movie would play out today is that whenever the violent and sexual assaults happen, it just, like, the camera pulls away or goes, like, d- shows, like, a wall, and you just hear it, like, in the background. Well, there was, like, yeah, see, like, there was there was a couple scenes where, like, you know, the, fir- the first example of sexual assault where they – that dragged on for a really long time, them trying to strip the woman down, them getting all of her clothes off and her running around on the stage and stuff. Like, that took a while. And mm-hmm. then it ultimately culminates and they don't she she doesn't get sexually she did get sexually assaulted, but she didn't all the all the mm-hmm. way there. Yeah, um, it was uh and then later on in the movie with uh they didn't explicitly show it, but they showed him taking his sweet time getting there, uh, and then implied that oh and later in the movie they say, you know, that happened and then she died. Which mm-hmm. is just Jesus Ooh. fucking Christ. Yeah. And uh and it's 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 fascinating at that point later on in the movie whenever the the doctor there in the uh, in the wheelchair locks him in that room and blasts Beethoven's not Beethoven's ninth at him. <laughs> like uh because at that point I'm watching it and I'm like you know what? He probably he probably deserves this. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like he pro- mm-hmm. like he objectively deserves this for what he did to this man's wife. Like, if that happened to me, I'd I'd take some matters into my own hands at that point. You know, you getting locked in a room and I'm playing Beethoven's Ninth in that bitch. You like, got to think what has happened to Alex as he got out of prison. He goes to his parents' house. You know, he goes to his home, kicked out. Parents don't, you know, he's replaced. Yeah. New then time. he goes just on a walk. Oops, encounters an old friend, a couple old friends, or was the hobo first? No, the ho- yeah, the homeless guy was first, I think. Yeah, because after the, the parents. Who, because the cops come and they pick him up from mm-hmm. that situation. Yeah, so he sees, like, part of me 
like during this movie was like did he die in prison and we're watching just his like hell like yeah, we're watching I, his I, personal I hell stuff like that out too like mm-hmm. are we watching his eternal damnation at points like and i also was thinking like outside of that i was thinking like okay maybe the treatment isn't over like the Ludovic, the Ludovico technique extends into real life, and they set these things up. See, like whenever he was on stage, and the guy was talking, to, talking about him, and the guy came on stage and beat him up. I was thinking, like, this is still part of the treatment. Like, oh yeah, hundred like, percent. Yeah, like I was like, that, I'm one hundred percent believing that this is a part of the treatment. And uh, but then, like, so I I write this down. I'm 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 like. This dude's going through literal hell, making me think either he died in prison and we're watching the literal hell for the rest of the movie, or possibly the treatment extended past the treatment center and the other events were planned from the start. And then my next line is, why the fuck am I formulating theories right now? I should just, you know, that that's not the point of this movie. Yeah, like, exactly. uh, and and then I, but no, I get, yeah. I had that, <laughs> I had the same thought. You know, I'm I'm over here trying to put together a bunch of things that I've seen, and you know, like I think to like the milk bar. Which was mm. like such like an obvious like uh, metaphor for like the object the objectifi- objectification of women like literally turning them into objects like uh, milk being a fountain out of mm-hmm. coming out of a fountain that is their nipples like holy shit what the fuck are we doing here uh, and the sexual obsession that is this movie like obsessed. Very, the whole world is like obsessed. No, like it's there, like there's, uh, there's sex decor everywhere. Like, yeah, this 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 vision of a dystopian society is one that seems to have adapted, like, porn into real life. Basically, is like the the vibe I got. Like Stanley Kubrick was building a world that was practically a porno. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's literally a full sex scene right in the middle to Beethoven. That's one of my notes was, is Beethoven good sex music? You know, I was uh, curious. The dude, the dude, it was sped up. He, they legitimately like were going at it for like 30 something minutes. Like, cause they had to speed that footage up. It was uncut. Like that yeah, was that's... legitimate. Like, like <laughs> that was legitimate footage, which is insane. And, yeah, they uh, they just showed us a porno right in the middle of this mm-hmm. movie. Um, uh, which, just thinking of what that scene was supposed like the movie could have been so much worse is the thing so much worse like those two girls weren't supposed to be old was not supposed to be consensual like the whenever alex is watching his treatment the the four dudes that are beating up a i don't know if it was a girl or guy at the time like he was doing that like he was watching stuff that he was doing in the book um, which is interesting. That's how they like put it in there. Instead of him actually doing it, they just have him watch it. Um, but it's like, well, I think they, whenever they showed him a clip that was four them, white guys in they, white suits, oh, yeah, and, and, and the same stuff they wear, and I was like, did they like expressly make this for Alex, or is this mm-hmm. just like? The typical attire for a, a fucking hoodlum in in this dystopian society, you know what I'm mm. saying? Like, is this just typical? Uh, I I was just it, it was a bizarre bizarre movie, and and like that that was my thought during that the the giant three way scene in the middle of the movie. Like, I was like, well, at least it's at least this is a consensual occurrence with people who all appear to be of age and stuff. I was like. Okay, like this is just a weird scene now. It's just them having sex. Uh, 
which you know like i i'm glad they didn't <laughs> take it that extra yeah. step there like they did in the book uh because mm-hmm. that would have been really disturbing uh and frankly would have been enough for me to go we are not going to be covering the yeah. movie uh- <laughs> people say like the movie is like an eight nine out of ten uncomfortable but people say the book is like 12 out of 10 it's yeah it's like so much worse so like uh that's it's very interesting to uh to see that we got the mild version of this story well and what's also interesting is that like stanley kubrick it's obviously you got to be a little bit sick and twisted to have uh adapted this uh but he does get a little bit of a pass because he did he didn't write it like this isn't his story you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying like yeah he legitimately like the movie is basically the book no like, yeah, they, they did a really honorable adaptation yeah he like he killed it like this in the record store like whenever i saw 2001 a space odyssey i'm like you know what like this soundtrack is Dude, like oh that soundtrack like, went fucking even though it's mainly just a few Beethoven songs and then their theme, you know, yeah, they have their theme. theme that like that oh, synthy just like a it's like a shining like uh yeah, dude. I it's just, like a it has its own feel and you like know like it's for this world, like it's all, like the soundtrack like makes this like he like, killed the I'm soundtrack to think with this. Of what the the scene was specifically? It was oh, well, I mean, it was the music when he was on the stage and the lady walked out was like glowing from the stage light she was not wearing anything up top her tits were out and you know stanley they're not stanley kubrick <laughs> i'm plugging stanley kubrick into alex <laughs> now but alex uh alex reaches up and can't touch her breasts like he can't do it without being revolted mm-hmm. and the music that was playing during that scene was just like holy fucking shit this is fantastic mm-hmm. like it was just it, like, and that was such a, a weird scene too, because like, I'm, <laughs> at, at that point, I'm confused about the objectification of women here because like, it it did seem like this is a woman who was like, yeah, I'll do this, consensually, and just kind of went out there and did her thing. She was real excited to leave <laughs> and stuff. So like, I, I was just like, it was still saying something about it, like, but it, I I can't quite pick up what it was. Uh, it's weird. It's like to move the story forward, you needed like things like that, which is, it's just a movie that you need these weird, very uncomfortable things to progress the story and like to get the point that he's trying to get across. And it's like, so I, I don't know this every, while I was watching it, like I was like, this is like art. This is the first movie where I'm like, this is like an art, like a masterpiece. Like this is like, I, like this isn't a really movie. Had a like, like it's like it's like a whole artistic vision. It's like yeah. hardly a movie. It's an execution of imagination that is like because like I'll say you have the book that lays out a lot of a, a lot of what like the details of the the shit is. But Stanley Kubrick had to visualize it. And bring it to life on screen in a meaningful and mm. uh, dystopian way. Because, like, this this shit looked twisted. It looked futuristic. And it looked like there were there are aspects of it that were just like, it's so weird because I can't tell. There are times where I'm like, we are straight up in 1970. Like, like, and then there are other times where I'm like, 
is this like past where we're at? Mm, like, or yeah. is this, is this like actually fucking 1932? What, what the fuck am I looking at? Mm-hmm. Like, so I had, I had a lot of, uh, a lot of questions about like the time period, which I think was the point you're supposed to like kind of not be sure when it's taking place. So as to kind of really immerse yourself in this world, not to project what you know from the real world onto it. Saying that these problems are timeless. Doesn't matter what year it is. There's still problems and they're still very prevalent. And, uh, that like the only part of the movie that took me out where I, where I kind of escaped the world for a second was whenever Julian, the guy that carries around wheelchair boy. Yeah. As in David Prowse, as in Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Yeah. So like I look at him and I, I, I just see this big Jack dude and I write holy, like I said, Julian is ripped. That's my notes. Like this dude is ripped. Yeah. And then I see, like I, I look at him a little more and I'm like, wait a minute. This guy like no, I went, I went. This full, dude's from. Yeah. I went full Leo DiCaprio meme where he's pointing at the screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. I'm like, that's Darth Vader, that's Darth Vader. I was, yeah. I was like, holy shit. No, yeah, that yeah, was. Uh... I was, uh, I was very excited to see that. You know, like I mm-hmm. love anytime we can get some Star Wars uh, crossover with anything we're talking about, and the fact that David Prowse was in this movie is fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It was... That was the only, the only part of the movie where I'm like out of the universe, you know, out of the world my was note, whenever Darth Vader came in. But <laughs> my, my note was like, okay, here I found it. Holy shit, this dude just has Darth Vader working out and living with him now. <laughs> yep, and he's the dude is just working out and just getting buff because he just carries him around all day. Like that's, that's what he do. That, that yeah, like that's <laughs> honestly like be a sick job. Like, I'm thinking about adapting a uh, uh, Dim's. Dim saying where he uh where Alex shows up and he goes he are here he have arrived hooray uh I don't know why I thought that shit was hilarious the language in this movie was cool the it's called like NADSAT or something it's like it's like a pig Latin it's like a, a yeah they like add a certain like certain words were like just mixed well, but with the same letters and then like added they added like a way or they added like a you know a, a thing to the end of the word or just made up a word completely well it was like fascinating a, because this is the language that anthony burgess the slang is something that anthony burgess created the uh the author of the book that's uh, awesome and it's kind of an adaptation of like uh there's certain russian words where they refer to women as like a dochkova or something like that which is like hmm. some adaptation of a russian word and then uh whenever someone says like alex is apologizing to someone and he goes happy polyleges hmm Mm-hmm. And it's like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, like, I, I, I subtitles were very necessary. Very helpful. Very yeah. helpful. Like, if I was watching this movie in 1971, you I know, in the theater, like happening. Yeah, there the, subtitles helped a lot. Like because, watching because this you movie. can. It had general the same letters. You knew what they meant. Like it was like mm-hmm. I had to read it though. I wouldn't have been able to listen to it and just picked up what they were talking about. They never said the word blood. It was always mentioned in some other way. Like it, it was, you know, the red something flowing. Like it, 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 they didn't like that was cool. Like there were certain words that they just you knew the idea like immediately. Like it's it's like a language that you have no idea what they're saying, but you kind of get what they're saying immediately. Yeah, even well, not knowing. Well, there was there was one line specifically where I have no idea what the ob- <laughs> what the uh, what the objective was, and it was when Dim goes, 
Scooby Doob. <laughs> yes. Whenever they're like fighting, like they're Alex and the, like they're like yeah. kind of going back and forth, and he, yeah, just Dooby Doob. <laughs> All right, boys, we should like go home. <laughs> right, that's what he says. Yeah, like out of nowhere, just I was like, okay, yeah, like it. it I don't know. It, it was very interesting seeing like the four of them interact because whenever those four talk. They like talking the slang way more like to each other. Oh yeah. Well, and which, that was something uh, I noticed too is that like the movie gets like, I think there was another like point to be made here too where the movie gets more and more f- feels realistic. Mm. The longer the movie goes, like I feel more in the real world the second half of the movie than I did the first half of the movie, mm-hmm. and I think that was like distinctly supposed to be the point. Like it's like you should these systems no matter what dystopian reality we might be in, are relatively real and you know it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that was kind of a point there. Uh, I did, there was another really fascinating part uh, when, uh, you know, Alex is listening to Beethoven and he pulls the snake out of the drawer and he's staring at the painting, talking about how it's the most gorgeousness of gorgeousity and, He's definitely masturbating. Ah, I, I got that idea too. Yeah, yeah. he's like definitely it masturbating. Was like a... like, and then there's the scene where it's like sequencing him with like vampire teeth and blood in his mouth and then explosions, which I think is supposed to mm-hmm. imply certain things. Mm-hmm. He was in, he was having a, print, a prison fantasy. You know, that dude's been locked away. He's, uh, I mean, that... Whenever I saw him like fighting battles in medieval time, I'm like, yeah, this dude is, uh, he's in, he's in a, a mind space, a mind palace right now. He, uh, yeah. he's in his own world. Well, um, there was, there was a vision of him whipping Jesus Christ on his way to his crucifixion. And I was like, holy They shit. really dragged that one out too. Like, yeah. uh, <laughs> don't know, like, well, and like, that's another thing. He was like, like, he knew the point of this movie was sacrilege. It was like, like I know you won't fucking like this. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I know. Part of me, like, like that scene, like it made me think he's lying. Like he's not getting better. Like this is like he's he's just putting on a front because yeah. he's this religious guy now. You know, he's literally reading the Bible and quoting it, and he knows like very knowledgeable. But at the same time, he like anyone that's like that would never think of fantasize about themselves whipping Jesus Christ as he goes, you know, to die. Like right. the moment of, of the Bible, you know, like this is the moment you wouldn't be the, the bad guy, you know, like, uh, it wouldn't be the first thing to pop, no, you know, having the first thought. It but. shouldn't be anyway. And like, <laughs> I actually get notes of like another place this probably had influence was, uh, Todd Phillips's Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. Mm. Uh, just because, like, th- there's this unreliable narrator aspect that you mm. know we're watching with Joaquin Phoenix and the Joker. That's interesting because as sick and demented as Alex DeLarge was, I don't think he was ever an unreliable narrator. I think he's told he told us the story as it was, which is just fascinating. I think that's the coolest part of the movie is that every fight scene, every, everything, it's a play. Like it's in slow motion. It's beautiful. Like whenever Alex is with his brothers and he like 
pushes them into that like yeah, lake like, thing. All like of a sudden, turns on them and beats the shit out of them. Like it's, but while it's happening, it takes a step back. It's a wide shot of you know him. Basically, it's like a dance. You know that he's he's kicking and sh- like it's all in a his point of view. It's all from his point of view. That's what he's doing. Like that's why he enjoys it. You know that it's showing like the ins- the inside of the mind of someone who's twisted like that. That during that moment they're enjoying it. It's like a performance for him. And it's like and that's the point that's made with Beethoven and singing in the rain throughout the movie is that he thoroughly enjoys the violence he thoroughly enjoys the sexual assault like he enjoys the things he's doing and because he enjoys the music he and he innately associates one with the other which Mm -hmm. is just wild singing in the rain whenever he was raping the the girl in the house like yeah that was improvised the they were just supposed to like just do the violence and have it like be a you know whatever and like Stanley Kubrick was like, this isn't creepy enough or like something's not right. And the actor just did that. Like he just, and then, then they had to buy the rights for the song. So like the, the whole point of this movie was to be cheap. That's the only thing they splurged on. They had to pay yeah. like 10 K for the rights of the song because and they need, like they needed that end. Like once he saw like that happen, he was like, yep. Like this, this is in the movie. Like for sure. Like he had to of that scene, like, that scene, like, is an iconic scene in the movie. That yeah. one singing in the rain, even though it's horrible, and then the, the eye, you know, the the yeah, treatment the scene. Like, I, that's the only scene that I've seen before. I've, and I didn't know. Like, I've seen clips movie. of it. Yeah, I, I had no that. idea that it was this movie. I've seen gifs of him having his eyes held open and stuff. But uh, it's it is really fascinating the use of singing in the rain and Beethoven and the appearance of like and, and the appearance of the 2001 Space Odyssey vinyl in that record shop because what this implies is that our real world entertainment exists in this world and has had an effect on this guy mm-hmm. and it's saying something real meta about how while you're watching a Clockwork Orange it's going to affect you in some way and like like it's just like what the fuck like. It's it's a real real meta thing they were playing with there with the real world entertainment aspect. Mm. Of it. Yeah, that uh seeing that uh like front and center, I was like, hmm, maybe uh maybe I like uh see how much or if there like are vinyls of these movie soundtracks. I was interested. I'm like, uh, can I just buy like a, a, a like two thousand one Space Odyssey vinyl? And I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like, ooh, what, what about this movie? I'm interested. Is there a vinyl for this movie? There is. And like, uh, I'm think I'm gonna get into like I want a good collection of like my favorite movie soundtracks, and this is up there. So, um, dude, and this one specifically, like the the synths in this movie, mm. dude. Like mm. they and like a, a Space Odyssey has a similar soundtrack. Like Stanley Kubrick knew what he was doing expressly. Uh, and it's like there's also visual parallels to 2001: A Space Odyssey with the Droogs. They they look like the the group of apes at the beginning of, of the mm-hmm. movie wielding bones and stuff. Like Stanley Kubrick clearly kind of makes it seem like his movies take place in the same universe, which is like really weird and fun and just wild. Mm. But but yeah, this uh this without the soundtrack, like. I'm not, it doesn't 
make this movie terrible in any way. But I'm saying like this soundtrack, like it added a whole new element. It like it really yeah. the movie. That's that's oh, yeah. to be certain. I, I I agree with that completely. I have a I have another note here, uh, and now that I'm reading it like this, I think it was definitely a a visual metaphor for what was happening. Uh, I said this dude didn't just this dude did not just pull a snake out of a drawer. Mm. <laughs> and uh, considering the sequence that follows is him masturbating. Mm-hmm. I have to think that pulling a snake out of a drawer was a, a visual uh, cue. Uh, ah, I see. I, I, I mean, yeah. Why well, have a pet snake? You know. Yeah, like it's like of, of course this guy has a fucking snake, but like, I mean, yeah, this is a that. Wow, I didn't thinking of like while watching it, I didn't really think about you know. I was just man, this dude loves Beethoven. Is kind of what I was thinking. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. This is getting a little. Uh, there's some. I see. There's I see. The, there yeah. with depravity that like mm-hmm. he associates <laughs> with Beethoven, and then whenever he, whenever he sees Beethoven being used for his torture, he's like, "Fuck no, y'all can't take Beethoven away from me. That's the last thing that was going to connect me that it, mm-hmm. to this shit." You and that's. I think that's the old, like the main reason they put Beethoven or give him like. A music Beethoven's interest. Ninth, Beethoven's ninth specifically. Yeah, like they they want you to sympathize with him. Like they want you to be like, oh, this dude, like he although does this ho- these horrible things, like he's a man that loves classic music, and like it's seen as like a like an intelligent you know trait to like Beethoven almost you know. So it's like uh, they make this character appreciate like classical music, and like obviously the point of it is to come back and, and haunt him later. But like before that stuff happens, it's like to give him something for the audience to kind of latch onto and be like, this dude has some human in him. Like, even yeah. though he's basically pure evil at the very beginning, like he has zero morals. Um, well, I guess he, I don't know. Cause the, the, him stopping, the sexual assault at the beginning is like. I don't why? think that was a a moment of moral, uh, of yeah, moral like superiority. Like that was a moment of him having beef with the dude who was about to do that. Okay, so that's what I thought. I thought it was just like gang, you know, gang, like gang ultra violence. That was got all. the idea that like in this world, like these gangs, like they do this all the time. Yeah, like uh, they like those four guys, whoever they were, you know, that were doing this on stage, like. We got the idea, like, yeah, this this is something that happens all the time. Pretty cool. And yeah, I it was sick seeing them getting beat up. Like that scene was cool of them all flying, you know, smashing into stuff. Like it didn't make sense, which what like it was the point. Like, yeah. so many like so many people were flying through the air that it would like it was so over the top. But it was just you're in Alex's mind, and it's the performance. Yeah. He's literally on a stage. Like there's a stage in the room yeah and like the act at the very beginning was a performance basically even though how horrible like it was like it's mm. how about a bit of the old ultra violence mm. it was just like ugh. i get it now this ultra violence is bad when we just open on his fucking face and it's just like slowly zooming out and you see his weird fucking eye makeup and He's just talking to the camera, and it's the like, the look he gives, the nodding the head down, yeah. the the evil stare, yeah. like and the with the eyelashes is like that's like like 
seeing that was like, okay, this I'm is a, yeah. yeah, this is a I'm good move. Like, be a sick Halloween costume. Oh, um, yeah. by yeah. the way, well, like, I was thinking as I was watching this, there were certain times where I was looking at him and I was like, if they were to, if they were to clean this up a little bit and do a modern sort of revamp, Evan Peters as Alex DeLarge is like, mm. I was like, nah, that's a little too good. <laughs> like, this, this would be a very interesting remake. That, and it's, that, some, it's something that we're going to talk about with every movie mm-hmm. because yeah. we live in 2022, the era of the fucking remake. We get remakes all the fucking time. So, like, not that I express – I don't want a remake of this movie. I will make no. that clear. This I want this to be sacred. Yeah, this should stay where it's at. It shouldn't uh, – <laughs> We don't shouldn't. need it. We don't need it again. <laughs> no, we definitely don't need it again. I'm just saying that if there was to mm-hmm. be one, uh, I think Evan Peters as Alex DeLarge would be uh, quite the choice. And All right, I'll put my own casting in. Um, for the character of Julian, we'll have Hayden Christensen play Julian okay. Ripped guy. He, he'll have to get ripped for the role, um, but maybe he's doing that already for his upcoming yeah, roles. But uh, yeah, this my ratings for this film are high. Like I, I enjoyed it. See, that's that's another thing is that like I because it was so thought provoking and it made my mind fly at a mile a minute it made me appreciate this movie. Like Mm -hmm. there are obviously beefs I have, like it goes a little far with the depictions of sexual assault and and sexual violence. Uh, But aside from that, it's an, it's an interesting concept that's throwing ideas of free will and fascism at you. And it's just like, of course, even like, especially in a modern day, I think uh, a story about fascism can resonate. You know what I'm saying? Like it with fears of that mm-hmm. potentially happening on all sides, apparently. Uh, it's just, it was just real. It was a real fascinating watch. And for that, I really appreciated it. I have a, I have a few more, I have a few more notes. I want to do a, I want to okay. do here and uh, reading, reading them now. Like I'm putting together like parallels and stuff. Like the reason that his boys as cops drown him is because he threw them in the water. I didn't even like really think about that while the- I was watching the movie. Every uh, every act every time he replays it, it's like the same thing. Even the shots, like themselves, like uh, if you play the in the mansion uh, where they you know go in there, it like the same exact camera movements are played. Like if you play those scenes side by side of when Alex does it and then when it's happening to Alex, yeah, it's the same exact camera work. Like it's like clockwork. Like it's literally, it's like oh I. This I don't know. My the only other like funny notes I have are uh, the bad cop whenever he gets arrested, and then like it's the the guy that like gets in his face and beats him up. Like his sideburns were unreal. Uh, they Dude, were pretty sick. No, like there were so many hairstyles in this oh, movie, yeah. and like <laughs> every movie in the seventies will be guilty of this because like you you can't escape seventies hairstyles. Like <laughs> hairstyles look seventies as fuck. This applies yeah. to Star Wars later on. Uh, Jaws couldn't be more sensitive in its appearances. <laughs> like we'll, we'll get there, but like boy, oh boy, for for something that was supposed to be like dystopian and futuristic, there were several looks. Like especially Alex's in the back half of this movie was like thoroughly seventies. Oh yeah, uh, 
And the only other thing I had was that that uh that comforter, whatever he had, that like triangular pyramidal comforter on Alex's bed, looked actually kind of comfortable. Like if you were to lay on it, that's the only other uh thing I wrote yeah. down. I got but... a couple more notes. <laughs> I liked the I liked the quote uh, "scoundrels and rogues in the night." About I felt like that was something that could be said in Star Wars. So obviously I took it down because uh, I feel like you get a uh, someone like fucking Lando. Getting all poetic, being like scoundrels mm. and rogues in the night about, you know, like it's like, and then there were fuck up cool Lando. lines that, yeah, yeah, there were a lot of cool lines in this movie. Uh, mm. The whole sequence where uh, Alex is about to get caught, the uh, the crime right before where we open on this woman doing yoga surrounded by kittens. I took down a note saying "kitties" in all caps. Mm. Uh, the depiction of her death is actually interesting. The fact that they like show the paintings and like the uh, like the, it's the only t- the only time where it's because he like murders her. I think yeah. is that that is seen in Alex's point of view. Murder is the only thing that's seen as like bad to him. He'll do anything. He'll rape. He'll assault. He'll beat the crap out of you. But like that's the line. If you murder, like. Because he was taken back by that. He's like, oh, you're you're pulling my leg. Like, you're joking. This is some for- form of torture. Like, this woman's not dead. You're lying to me. And then yeah. they're like, no, dude. Like, you killed her. And he's yeah. he, he was actually like, oh, shoot. Like, whether it's just because he knows he's in trouble now, whether, like, in this world, like, rape and assault is just, like, a non-arrestable crime or something. I don't, you know, like, whether it's just so dystopian that, like, this stuff just happens so often that people don't get arrested for it anymore. But like, it was interesting. Like uh, the only time that it's not like this beautiful performance in Alex's mind is whenever he murders the girl and it shows these flashes of paintings and like, you know, crazy stuff, which I I thought was, uh, was like everything about this movie. Like whenever I was in English class reading a book and an English teacher would be like, yeah, so the wall's gray here, so that means this character's depressed. Like, sometimes they would take details out of things that weren't supposed to take details out of. But yeah. this movie, I feel like everything is here on purpose. There's a purpose for everything. There's, a, like, a true deeper meaning, like, behind almost everything in this movie. Well, which... and I think I think it's crucial that when he does murder this woman, what's it with? Dick. A giant dick and balls. Big boy. How did it, uh, it's very interesting how it rolled like that. It rocks. Um, like it was weighted a certain way. And, had you know, to be like, uh, a, a jar of honey in there. Yeah. That's like the only, like. Sand. It's very, yeah, very interesting how that thing rolled. Uh, a work of art, you know, as she said. This is, uh. But you know, like, in, in a modern day, like, you can look back on this, like, uh, you know, a man killing a woman, like, most murders of women are are by men who had a sexual connection to that woman like that's that's something that sadly fucking happens like it's and i think it couldn't be more plainly to see like a metaphor for that like this guy is literally killing a woman with a giant cock and balls <laughs> mm-hmm. like it, uh it, it was it was quite disturbing and it's uh, like in the world that like sex became like not a act of love anymore like it's just a 
it's just an activity like in this world because of how obsessed people are like with sexuality yeah. and stuff. Like it, it felt like, uh, like in this world, the only time that people like have sex is like either when they're like, un like consensually doing it. Like it feels like consensual sex, like barely is a thing. Like, you know, the, we only see it one time. Well, I mean, like we like, are watching the, the epitome of evil though. So it's mm-hmm, like, it's true. weird to say because I can't tell if, if he, I don't if that's the world society, or it's just Alex's point of view. Yeah. I don't think it's a societal norm. I think yeah. it's that like mm, that's just okay, something fair. that is more common in this society. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> I got some more more notes too. Oh, they knocked his ass with the milk. <laughs> All caps. Uh, that was a yeah. I whenever he was screaming, I'm blind. I'm blind. Like I was like, is he actually like yeah going full blind here? Because like I, whenever he was going to prison, like that took a turn that I did not expect. I'm like, wait, this dude's actually going to prison? Like, uh, that's what the movie is actually yeah, about. Like, yeah, I, like I thought it was just going to be horrible. Like the first half of the, or not even the first half. The first it like really is it really minutes. is the back half of the movie that saves the first half because if mm. it is just what the first half was all throughout the movie, it loses its it loses its message, it loses its sting. Like it's just it's just violence for the sake of violence at that point. It is the back half of this movie that brings a point about fascism and about free will and like it it it, it was just like a fascinating watch. The only uh, whenever. The uh, governor or mayor or whatever the government guy was, whatever his position was called, minister, I don't know, uh, whenever he was feeding Alex, just his oh. chewing, like. Oh, that was the part that made uh, me go, I'm going to fucking turn this off. Yeah, like I was just. Like, yeah. that, that, that was so intentional, you know, yeah. like, and like it was like. Everything's was meant to make you feel uncomfortable. And Alex, like, like, it was like Alex was mocking us. They would show us, they would show us him open his mouth like. Yeah, even something as simple as eating in this movie is supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. Like, yeah. it's, uh, I don't know, this movie, like, was kind of just, like, a masterpiece, in my opinion. Like, it, like, this is, it, like, a very high film, like, for me. I'm calling it a film. Like, this is a film. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. This is a, like, work this of is, art. This is cinema. Yeah, this, like, for all the bad it had in it, like, I feel like, the theme of the movie, the points that it makes, like, outweighs what happened. And, like, I I can get past this movie. Like, and MASH is one that I, I still kind of hold back on. I'm, I'm really not holding back on this. I'm I'm more accepting of this movie just I for, that. for what, that. you know, what oh, it's about. I am too, because, like, it, it is also another movie that's, like, obviously a product of its time. But in an interesting way that makes you think. Like, it's, it's like, this makes you think about it's also like it's also the timelessness of it like mash was so clearly a 1970s Mm. project about the korean war there's a certain timelessness to this that like i mean sadly people are beat to beat to death in the modern age people are people are sexually assaulted in the modern age like this is something that happens and is realistic and it's like this is this is devastating you know like Mm. uh and that's that is what makes it good is just mm-hmm. how dystopian and sad it is like uh and and how you can make those connections to the real world 51 years later and you know what i'm saying whenever uh cuz you watched the movie before i did 
and you gave me like uh you hyped me up like before the movie started like you were hyped, getting me like pretty hyped for the movie and you said like it takes a while to get used to the world but once you're in it's awesome yeah. and like that's the truest thing about this movie it does take like 30 minutes to like fully immerse yourself in the world but like once you are immersed like oh it's like it's just beautiful from that like point on. Like, oh, there comes there comes a point in this movie where it's like, where nothing can surprise you anymore. Hmm. Like, it's like, okay, so I'm going to assume the worst possible thing will happen in any given situation. That's like, there comes a point where you just have to realize that. Like, as soon as they showed this woman doing yoga with her cats, I went, "Well, this woman's gonna die." Like, that's. That was just what I like. I the shot they had the door right there. They had her in provocative positions doing yoga. You know, yeah. the first thing that pops my mind is like, well, this woman's not living for much longer, probably. And the way they, the <laughs> way Stanley Kubrick's camera work evoked this eeriness, especially in this scene where she's on the phone with the police and the doors in the background and it's not leaving, and I'm just like waiting. And waiting and waiting like this dude is going to going to be there any second. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, he will be there and he does show up and it's just like, God damn, this movie is good. It's just like it is really, really good. And uh, there was a uh, just so much ex- so many examples of like really good camera work, especially like even those scenes where he was just wandering around his house in his underwear. Mm. It felt freehand and it was mm-hmm. just following him and then it like backed up with him into the other room. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was a dope that was a dope camera work scene. I really, really enjoyed that. And then uh the whole sequence after that, I, I still don't know what to make of it. Like it was just bizarre and un, unsettling and uncomfortable. Uh with this dude on the bed who was just sitting there. Mm-hmm. The camp Why? like and the camera work made it creepier because it stayed it right there. Move. It, it does not it, move. It, it it's yeah. so badly. You want mm-hmm. so badly. Please just move a cut. You know, camera. if it just cut, it would be like oh, you'd be like ah, like a new view. Like even though it's still weird, it's like it it cuts it the up. Whole time, yeah. Alex is off screen talking to him, and it just stays on him at the end of the interaction. You know, and it's mm. like. And that happened all, all throughout the movie. Leave yeah. This scene. Leave this scene. Please. Yeah. Like all throughout the movie, they have like the camera just stays on, on people. And like yeah. a lot of the subtitles are like off screen subtitles. Like it made me re- like having the subtitles on made me realize like how many characters are off screen talking, like, right. and how still the camera is throughout this movie. Like, hmm. I just like. I'm looking at my ratings for this movie and man, like I, this like is a strong week too. Like this is a strong week too. And I got one last note I want to share before we jump into mm. the ratings. It's just one small note, funny note. It was, uh, I went, man, I just knew the Nazis would show up. (laughs) Like of course course the Nazis are somehow involved. Yes. Yes. I, uh, it was, I got like a, I let out kind of like a chuckle, like whenever I just saw Hitler like come on the screen. Like it, it wasn't like uh 
the first things that we saw Alex watch, like we kind of, uh, it was going back and forth, like between him. But then yeah. when it cuts to the Nazis, it was like the full screen, you know, like yeah. it was. No, and, and I was like, like, I was just like, wait, what are we doing now? Like, yeah, I was, I was like, hold on. And then I'm like, oh, they're just legitimately showing him Hitler and yeah, like not in like, yeah, like in fast, like straight up. Anymore. Yeah. Like, and I was like, oh, okay. Like it's, uh, and that scene wherever he's sitting up with his eyes open, like those clamps are supposed to work whenever like a person's laying down and they're looking like straight up and the clamps can pull like perpendicular to their face. But the fact that he was sitting up, like it scratched his corneas. Like the dude, like he got like a very like bad eye injury from this, but he just kept going through it. And the guy that was putting eye drops in his eyes, like, he wasn't supposed to be in the movie to begin with, but like it was just necessary. Like, yeah, the actor like he just couldn't Malcolm, keep his eyes open without it. Yeah, actor, like uh, Malcolm McDowell, I believe is his name. Uh, absolutely breathtaking performance. I killed mean, the role. Uh, I I've seen him in other stuff too, like in in his older age, uh, which is just really fascinating. Uh because his seminal work was 50 fucking years ago but mm. like he was he was in something as recently as the gossip girl revamp on HBO Max this year like this man's around and he's st- he's he's been relevant for 50 fucking years which is kind of crazy are you doing something to pick these movies cuz uh he was I, I looked, Rebels. no i looked up um what awards this movie won and of the six awards that it won, one of them is a Kansas City Film Critics Circle Award for the best foreign language film. This is a foreign language film? It won an award for the foreign language film. Or Oh, sorry. That's what – never mind. It won a – yeah, it was just Kansas City Film Critics Award. I clicked on, like, what the Kansas City – like, that board oh, did. Gotcha. So the film just won an award from Kansas City. Like, it, what are the – like – what are the odds of that? Of the six awards, at least that I'm seeing, one of them's from Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, we got it. You know, we got the four Academy Award uh, nominations. You know, uh, with uh, best picture, mm-hmm. uh, best director, mm-hmm. best writing and screenplay, uh, best film editing. Which can't say enough about the film editing in this. This shit was crazy. And supposed and, uh, to be four hours long. That was the original cut. Four hours they took out 90 minutes and stanley kubrick destroyed the footage he said he said like whatever this movie is that's all that's staying like the 90 yeah. minutes of other footage that he had he just like made sure that no one else had like he physically destroyed it man yeah is... this one best film at the kansas city yeah. film credit circle award yeah i fucking love that that's just that's just awesome but uh uh <laughs> No, random as hell, but also Malcolm McDowell was uh, the voice of someone in Star Wars Rebels as well. Uh, Minister Hayden, who uh, I believe was a, a resident of Lothal. Uh, mm. But yeah, just really interesting to 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 get this movie week two. And it really I'm glad strong. this movie's in my movie repertoire now. Yeah. Like, yeah, this sure. is this is a movie that I'm glad I've seen. Um and it'll like make me look at movies differently now, like watching movies going on like this, like this is a very, I, I'm glad this is a week two movie. 
Yeah, it's a game changer. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's get into the rating system. You know, we got uh, the out of five stars uh, as a film. We'll do as a film and how much you like it. That's how that's how we'll do out of five stars. So as a film, what do you give this out of five stars? 4.5 as a film. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. This is fucking fantastic. This is either 4.5, 4, 4.75. Like this is four point. The only reason I give it a 4.5 is like for the things that hold me back, like in the movie still is the only re- like this well, and I like, can, I and as a film I can say critically 4.5 is probably about right there like it wasn't it wasn't perfect there were moments that dragged yeah. this isn't stuff. a 5 out of 5 like no no like the back half is long it drags but to be sure uh so it's not it's not perfect mm-hmm. uh and and my mine falls more at like the 4 out of 5 for uh for what I, what I would or, or I guess that's more for my favoritism of it but my I, w- I would probably agree. Like critically, four point five out of five is a good move. Favorite, I go on a favoritism scale. Four out of five stars is probably fair. My reservations regarding you know the depictions of sexual assault are what take away from it for me. However, ultimately the points it was making and uh, the message it was sending and the visuals and the soundtrack it it it, it ultimately is a good movie and mm-hmm. I can't I can't help but enjoy it. Come come the end, uh, you know you. And it's just, you know, you lose sexual, you lose the sexual assault. Maybe this is a five out of five for me, but like, I just have such a hard time watching that stuff. And mm-hmm. being I wrote like my general rating is a 4.25. Um, I just put it a little bit below, like as a film, um, yeah. what it is, but I put that this movie deserves like a five out of five in like the drama as the, at like how this movie fits its genre is a five out of five because it's like its own genre, basically. Yeah, like I, I agree. Like in terms yeah. of like, and 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 s- the director succeeding in their vision. Like if the director does what they wanted to do with the movie, it's hard to say it's a bad movie mm-hmm. because mm. what, what the fuck are we to say if the director did exactly what they wanted to do? Like, like he. He knew, like, this movie was going to be controversial, like, from the very, like, obviously, he knew. And, like, the fact that he, like, stood strong and was like, no, like, this needs to be out there. Like, this is, like, I know that there's bad things, but, like, I don't know. Like, he stuck with this movie. He's, like, still kind of, uh, I think he said, whenever the movie got pulled from theaters... Um, he said, this movie, I don't want to be shown in a theater for as long as I live. He says, when I die, then you can show it in a theater again because of how many threats he was getting. Like, uh, dude was getting death threats, like constantly. And people were saying like, we're going to kill you like Alex Delar. Like, we're going to kill you like these people in the movie. Like you're going to get your taste of your own medicine. And so he, that's the, like, he pulled it out, and he says, "Yeah, as long as I'm alive, don't show this in the theater again." <laughs> I wonder if there were any uh, showings back in 1999, fresh That's... off of uh, Stanley Kubrick's uh, passing. Let's see, showings 1990. Five is when he died. Nine. Ninety-nine. Let's see, seen anything in in theaters? A Clockwork Orange returns Friday night, December nineteen ninety nine. No way, dude. They legitimately played it after he died. 
that's kind of sick. That's kind of sick. Like, just they honored, like, his wish in a way. No, like, no. Uh, like even though it's not, like, honoring it. Like, because this movie is so demented and sick and twisted that they could do something so demented, sick, and twisted as to put this movie out after he died again. So it's, like, it's just such a – it's such an <laughs> absurd conundrum. But, shit, man, I don't have much else to say about A Clockwork Orange here. What about you? Yeah, I, uh, I'm just very glad I've seen it. I give it, you know, a very high score. This is probably in the top 25 movies that I've seen, probably, if I'd say. Maybe top 25 is maybe pushing it, but, like, it's definitely up there, like, in in my – Around there. It's definitely critically one of the best films I've ever I've ever watched. Mm. Uh, I think there was I mean, there was some senseless violence and stuff, but like that was the point after all. And mm. uh, it's 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 hard dealing like accepting that and formulating an opinion based around that. Uh, but I think we've done a pretty good job here. So uh, mm-hmm. I think I think we'll top it off there. This was the Penny Bloom podcast was I. Colton Robertson and I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, buddy. Thank you for having me. I'm even more excited for the next movies to come now. So oh, just... I am. I am too. And as, as as of now, we have covered 1970s Mash, 1971's A Clockwork Orange. Next week we've got we've got 1972, which will hold for us The Godfather, uh, mm. Francis Ford Coppola's <laughs> Opus. I uh, I cannot wait for that one as it will be our first dive into many mob movies and gangster movies throughout the course of this 52 week run uh because you know i love me some mafia content mm-hmm. the godfather we're better to start with that than uh 1972's the godfather that's just that's going to be perfect if you would head to patreon.com slash bloom where you'll find well over 20 hours of uh exclusive content at this point along with uh various uh digital art posters paintings that i put up over there all exclusive to that that site and all that money goes back into putting on this podcast and putting on our other show where right now we are currently covering the book of boba fett uh so just click on our podcast link here and head over to those episodes if you're a star wars fan i know you'll enjoy that as i am as well and joey i'm glad i'm glad you're you're joining us every week for that as well Mm -hmm. uh Head to Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom Pod, where we will uh, keep putting updates as to what movie will be coming. And you know, right now we've got an outline of what movie will be coming every every week, and I'll I'll say it at the end of every episode. However, it could be subject to change, as A Clockwork Orange almost was. Mm-hmm. Uh, we almost switched it to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and I'm glad we didn't. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely glad we were talked about this movie instead of Willy Wonka. I am, um, too. I am for sure. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so if if any movies in the future are subject to change, that th- those details will be available at Twitter uh, at Penny Bloom Pod. Uh, also follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast. And uh, yeah, remember, peace, love, and bloom. And we are here. We have arrived. Hooray! <laughs>